Anyway, why don't we get right to it? And reason being is because I have things to do later and so I'm gonna have to rush off right after this Bible study. But here we go. Today we are gonna be talking, we're still in the Sermon on the Mount, which has been, I don't know what it's been like for you, but for me to look closely at this sermon, the longest sermon recorded that Jesus ever preached uh, so his most famous sermon, I mean, all the good stuff's in there. We've got the Beatitudes, and he teaches us on prayer. I mean, just so many beautiful things. Um, and I've really concentrated on that in this. We've gone slow through it, been on it for weeks. I have gotten so much out of it, and um, I, I feel like I'm changed. I really feel like the Word of God has truly impacted me, and, and it's um, such food for thought that I think it will continue to impact me for the rest of my life. And I'm, I hope that's the case for you. If you haven't heard any of these, don't worry, go back and listen to them. They're on podcast. You could probably catch them on YouTube, uh, but definitely podcast. Anyway, today we're gonna talk about wise and foolish builders. This is the end part of the Sermon on the Mount. He's, he's finishing. These are his final statements of the Sermon on the Mount. Let's, let's, um, let's read them. Okay, so. Matthew chapter 7, that's where we are, verses 24 through 29. Here we go. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Okay, I'm just gonna say something. This is just, this is just an aside. Remember, we're reading the book of Matthew. Matthew was one of the apostles. I just had this thought this morning and I thought, for some reason, I just feel like sharing this. Um, you know that um, the majority of the apostles uh, were, were killed for their faith. Um, and they were killed in horrific and terrible ways, apart from John, who um, died um, elderly and in his bed, but not before they did try to kill him and were unsuccessful. Um, but Matthew, in particular, was, um, he, they believe, and church historians believe that he was martyred for his faith. They believe it could have been in Ethiopia, where he went to minister, um, and they believe that he was stabbed to death. Now, you know what? I was looking at the life of the apostles this week and I was thinking, you know, every single one of them, even John, was um, tortured and murdered for their faith, persecuted and, and tortured for their faith, that they would deny the faith and not one of them, 12 men, for all the torture they took, for everything that they endured, they never denied Jesus. They never denied their faith. How could they? How could they? 
for them, it was this. It was, where else can we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. Can you imagine that? Twelve guys tortured. Not one, not one said, yeah, yeah, okay, I deny Christ. I deny him. Just stop. It's so painful. No, none of them. And that says something so amazing to me. It's, it's going to be throughout all of the writers of the, the New Testament. But just remember who is writing this, who is recording this. A man who, um, that wouldn't deny his story that he told, the things that he saw, couldn't deny them, even unto death. Amazing. So let's, with that, you know, remembering who the writer, who wrote these inspired words by the, um, by the Holy Spirit who recorded these things. Remember who he was, an amazing man of God, uh, Matthew. Okay. With that, we've just read about the wise and the foolish builders, right? Jesus talked about this. So based on, on what we need to recap, okay? And the, there's a reason we need to quickly recap everything that we've learned. Um, and, and that is because, well, I'm going to point that out, okay? And that is because... Um, when I get to the scripture, you'll know why I have recapped, but I'm going to do a quick recap of everything. Okay, so first of all, when he started out the Sermon on the Mount, he climbs up the side of a mountain. They are his followers, and he is going to talk to them first about how to have a blessed life. And blessed, another good word for that is happy. That's a very good translation, a happy life. We talked about it in the beginning as having an enlarged life because your thinking is becoming bigger. You're beginning to take on the thoughts of God and you will have an enlarged life. Um, so he is, uh, he's telling us how to have, and that's the Beatitudes, right? And he's talking about how to have a happy life. And he's saying um, that the things that he's asking, yes, they are difficult things and they are contrary, very contrary to the ways that this world tells us to have a happy life. So if you go back and read the Beatitudes or listen to the one on the Beatitudes, you're going to see that the things he tells us to have a blessed life are very different from the philosophy of this life that we live in on how to have a happy life. Next, he's telling us, um, his followers, uh, what the character of, well, he began the whole the whole thing is is about the character of, some, of someone from the kingdom of God and what it, that person is going to be like right from the start. He's telling us that. So um, we're learning about what a kingdom character is going to be like the kingdom of God. Um, and he speaks throughout this sermon on the heart a lot about the heart. As a matter of fact, I think the whole sermon is about the heart. The heart of a person is the most important part because it's where all the other areas of our life flow from. Um, so, and we are instructed in the word of God to guard our hearts, right? <coughs> to guard our hearts. And he tells us that the outward appearance of righteousness, just doing the right thing is not enough. That may have been enough under the law, but he's telling us that there is a higher way, a superior way for those that truly belong to God. Um, and it's that new heart that God puts in us when we become one of his, when we belong to him, a new heart, a soft heart, a heart that is devoted to God. Uh, where he writes those laws on our hearts and we obey them because our, of our devotion to him. We have a relationship with him, with God. Last week, we learned that on that day, and that day that he speaks of Jesus is judgment day. He says that those, even those who worked wonders and miraculous things in his name, but they didn't have a relationship with him, that he's going to say to those, depart from me, I never knew you. So it's about relationship and intimacy with him. That is important to God. 
God, not just that we do things that look right or that we even perform miracles in his name. He wants the heart right. He wants our heart in relationship with him. Okay, he spoke of being salt and being light in this world and to be those things boldly, to take the salt purifies, right? And the light sheds dispels the darkness. He wants us to to be those things and to 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 this world. And yes, we're going to get persecution for that. But he said that is what is expected of one of his followers, to be salt and to be light and to do so unapologetically for for Jesus. Um he also spoke, Jesus spoke three separate times in this sermon on prayer. First he spoke of the Lord's prayer where he calls God Father, right? That was a new thought to them and to have intimacy with God in a way that you call him father by calling him father that means you're his child. There's a parent-child relationship going on here. He says to pray in secret so as not to impress people, um but to impress God. Um uh, he says about prayer to ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking and to knock and keep on knocking. That's what the original Greek says. It's we read ask, seek and knock, but it originally meant in in the original language, ask, keep on asking, seek, keep on seeking, knock, keep on knocking so it's a, con, a being continuous in those things with the expectation and hope that you are speaking to a good father, okay? Okay, so by speaking about prayer three times in one sermon Jesus and who remember who Jesus is he is God with us God comes down in flesh and comes and gives a sermon and in this sermon he puts an importance on prayer he speaks of it three times um so what does that say he's saying that prayer is important in the life of his followers talking to God um he's saying that it is um expected of followers of Christ uh by God that we are to be praying not if you pray but when you pray he also spoke about fasting and doing good works and the right way to do these things not to be seen of man to get oh what a what a holy person you are no that the pat on the back if we get a pat on the back is from God we do these things as unto God it's between you and God you're not to let the whole world know about these things He also in this sermon commanded us not to lay up treasure on earth. Don't lay your treasures up on earth. Lay your treasure up in heaven. And he said that that which is most valuable to us is our treasure. It should be stored in heaven, which means don't merely live life out for this life and for what you can get in this life and for what you can accrue in this life as far as wealth and fame and beauty and all of that stuff but we are to live with eternity in mind i just heard an example this week that actually really made this so super clear to me i was like wow that is such a good example i'm going to share it with you imagine that you are going to stay in a hotel Let's say you're going to stay into I'll, I'll even say you're going to stay in that hotel for a month, okay? You're going somewhere, you booked out this hotel for a whole month. While you are in this hotel room, which you will only be in for one month, okay? Um, you're not so happy with the bed. So, 
you buy, you go out, you, well, you order on, on Amazon and you say, I'm going to get order the top notch bed, best bed out there. And you get that delivered. You get the old bed taken away. So you get the best top notch bed with a beautiful headboard. Oh, it's just amazing. But you got this and you got this for a room you're going to stay in for one month. Remember that. Okay. Now you're in the bathroom of the hotel room you're staying in and you think, oh, you know what? It's not as gorgeous as I'd like it to be. And, and that toilet, very substandard. Hmm. I think I'm going to order in a new toilet, new sink, new shower, get it all put in, get it all fitted in. Um, because that would be really make this room amazing. That is really going to make it all amazing. So you order that in, they come, they plumb it all in everything, blah, blah, beautiful. Oh my goodness. It's like granite, toilet and the best most you know golden taps on your sink the best the most beautiful okay so you get the curtains changed and you get so you see what i'm saying you put treasures into this room and you make it the most gorgeous and then on day number 30 of your stay you leave and that's it you say bye-bye to something that was never meant to be forever. And that's where your treasures are. You've just put all your money, all your finances and everything into that hotel room, which you will probably never stay in again because you've got elsewhere to be. And that is like when we lay up treasures on the earth. This earth is the hotel room. And when we lay up our treasures here, just remember, this is where they're going to stay. You can't take them with you. So when you get to heaven, we don't want you to have nothing, okay? Jesus says, don't be a fool. He actually uses those words in one of his parables where a guy gets there and says, you fool, you have nothing in heaven because you laid up all your treasure on earth. You didn't live for eternity. So he talks about that in this sermon, and that's important to God. Okay, um, he also said in this sermon, he told us that if we are a follower of God, we are not to worry about our lives, not any aspect of our lives, none of our needs. We're not to worry. And we have, he speaks of our food and our clothing, but it encompasses all of our needs. Don't worry about your body. Don't worry about what you eat and what you drink because isn't the body more than food and isn't it more than drink and isn't it more than clothing? Yes, it is. Jesus is asking a rhetorical question because yes, it is. It is more than all of those things. He's trying to say there is a whole realm that we do not think about enough and that is the spiritual realm, the heavenly realm, the kingdom of God and that as one of his followers, we do not need to worry about our earthly life like the pagans do or in what he's saying is the people who don't belong to God the people who don't acknowledge God as their father they need to worry about those things because it's on them if it is to be it's down to them you know but for us as followers of Christ it is not up to us to supply our own need. Yes, God gives us jobs. And yes, we those are gifts from God. And But he's, he'll provide all the things we need. He will provide. He says, trust him for these things. Don't be like the pagans. Don't act like you have no father. Don't act like, you, like there's not someone there who cares for you. Um, Jesus uses the examples of birds. Look at the birds, he says. They get fed. Get, they get taken care of. Look at the flowers. They are beautiful. They're, more, they're dressed better than Solomon, who had all the riches and wealth of the world. And they are be dressed better by Almighty God, dresses that flower more beautiful. Um, and it says also, he says also, our Heavenly Father knows our need before we even ask. So why ask? Well, he commands us to ask. 
Remember, he's talked about prayer three times. Ask, keep on asking, seek, keep on seeking. I already said that. And he said it is the ungodly who worry, not the godly, who worry about those things. But we belong to God, he says. Remember that. Remember you belong to God and trust him. You have no need to worry. So he talked about that. And he also said um, worry is pointless. It doesn't add anything to the situation or to our lives or anything. No matter how bad the situation is, worry doesn't help. But praying does help. Instead, what are we to do? If we're not going to worry, what do we do instead? Because you have to replace it. You see, it's a, it's, a, it's a mode of thought, worry. And now you've got to begin to do something else to change the way your, your brain is wired. And this is what you do. Jesus is so practical. He says we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his, God's righteousness. And then all the other things in our life will fall into place. He will show you. He will provide for you. He will give you the wisdom that you need as, as we are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Okay. We are also, he said, um, to choose the narrow pathway in life as opposed to the broad pathway in life. He said the narrow way leads to life. The broad way leads to destruction. Um, the life of the God follower on this earth is not going to be an easy road, right? He's already pointed that out. Um, there's only room for one, one thing that you can bring on this journey, one person, and that is Jesus. That is offensive to our culture. Very offensive to say it's only Jesus. Jesus said he is the, the way, the truth, and the life. Not a way, a truth, and, you know, you know, an addition to your life. He is the way, and we are to live that way, that he is the way. Yes, our culture will find that truly offensive. But Jesus said, blessed are you when you are not offended by me. Boy, are you blessed. Heaven is your home if you're not offended by that. Okay, so he said choose the narrow way. Um, he also told us that we are to know people by their fruit. Jesus is giving us like the best advice here. He said good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit. The tree being a person, the fruit being the way they live out their life. And if it's bad fruit, hey, you know something about this person's heart. Are we to judge them? No, but you can discern. We talked about that. We are not to judge, but discernment is something. And he speaks this thing about the trees and the fruit, specifically about leaders, about prophets, he said. He said when you meet a prophet and um, they have bad fruit in their life, you know, don't listen to what that prophet says. And what is bad fruit? Bad fruit is going to be fruit that does not line up with the word of God. Someone who's unkind, someone who's got none of the fruits of the spirit, who's, who is... Um, who, who tells lies about God that are not in the, in the word of God. I've heard things. I've heard a preacher actually, oh my goodness, it just, it sickened me. He, he was retelling the story of, um, telling us the story of the, um, of, of in the garden in the beginning. And he said that when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, that, um, that it was actually God who lied and the devil who told the truth because they didn't die in that day. And God said they would surely die when they ate the fruit and they didn't die. So the devil told the truth and God lied. I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this person is speaking heresy like this. And I just shut him off and I stopped listening to him because God does not lie. There is no lies in God. Okay, so someone like that who tells a story like that as truth, Bad fruit. Do not follow that person. So Jesus is giving us a heads up here on what kind of leaders we are to be and to live out God in our lives. So we've got good fruit, but also to be following after leaders with good fruit in their life. Okay, great advice. Thank you, Jesus. Beautiful. Okay, and he tells us also, Jesus tells us that, um, that 
Uh, it is relationship with him that will count when we stand before him. It's not going to be all of the things that we do in the name of Jesus, the miracles that we perform and the, the, the wonders and, oh, I did this in Jesus' name. No, that is not the most important thing. The most important thing when we stand before him on that day and that day that Jesus spoke of was Judgment Day, the thing that we are going to want to have is a relationship with Jesus because if we don't, he says to those people who don't have relationship with, with him, depart from me. I never knew you. And he doesn't mean I didn't know that you existed. He means, you know, like, oh, where'd you come from? You're a person who slipped by. Hey, Gabriel, I don't see this person's name. He didn't mean that. No, he meant I didn't know you. I didn't have an intimate relationship with you. I was never yours and you were never mine. And that is something we see running, a theme we see running throughout the Old Testament. It is something that God always wanted. He, he, you will read numerous, numerous times in the Old Testament where God is speaking to the children of Israel and he's saying, and I will be their God and they will be my people. And it is said again and again and again. And Jesus is saying that here again because he wouldn't negate what God said because God never changes. What God wants has been always what God has always wanted. And that is relationship. I will be their God and they will be my people. So that's in this sermon too, which all of that recap takes us to today to today's thing, um, uh, text, which is his very last recorded words of this particular sermon. Okay. Um, where Jesus says, okay, so he's closing up the Sermon on the Mount. He's telling a story of two people, right? A story of two people um, who have chosen to, to build houses. Um, and there's, this is a metaphor of, of the houses are represent our lives, don't they? Um, and uh, one person hears the words of Jesus and he acts on them and he does everything Jesus says. He puts them into practice. The other person hears Jesus' words and doesn't act on them. Um, and these are the two kinds of people, the two responses to Jesus' message. And Jesus is saying, you're going to get this for, for all, forever. As long as there's people and as long as they hear the message of God, you're either going to get those people who respond and do what he says, or you're going to get the people who hear it and don't do what he says. I know what person I want to be. Okay. Um, and this final story that Jesus tells about the builders building, one built on the sand and one built on the rock, that it summarizes the entire Sermon on the Mount, which is this, that if you're my follower, then do what I say and obedience will have ramifications. Um, and although it's not an easy road, um, a blessed life you will have if you do what he says, a solid and unshakable life, even in the storms that will come. Jesus says the rains came down and the floods came up and the winds came. So there will be storms. He's not saying you're going to become my follower and you will have no problems in life and every little thing that is a problem will dissipate. No, he's saying they will come, but you me, the follower of God who does what he says, who hears what he says and then does it, is going to have an unshakable life. Jesus has just told us in this sermon, this is mind-blowing. He just tells us in the sermon how to have an unshakable life. To hear what he said and then to obey it, to do it. And most importantly, um... Most importantly, out of all of this, you will have a solid and unshakable day on the day of judgment. 
You will not be as one who sits there timidly fearing, ah, I'm so scared, I'm so scared. You won't be. You will not be if you are a follower of God in relationship with him. You have nothing to fear. And you've chosen to obey his word, solid and unshakable, even in eternity. Okay, now the reason why I recapped that whole story and gave you all the, all the, the points of what Jesus talked about was this. Let's read verse 24, and it is because of this word. In chapter 7 of Matthew, verse 24, therefore, the word therefore, take note of that word. And in scripture, when you see the word therefore, always ask yourself, okay, this is just a little rule of thumb in reading the scripture. When you see the word therefore, always ask yourself, what is it therefore? Isn't that good? <laughs> I heard that and I thought, yes, it's true. When you see the word therefore, say, what is it therefore? And the reason why is because everything that is said before the word therefore has bearing on what he is now going to say. So he has just given this rip-roaring, amazing, mind-blowing to these people and to us sermon of thoughts that have never been before, of um, in, in a way that's never been presented with such authority, it's going to say, that these people, are their mind has been blown right now. Their spirits are just screaming inside them in the most wonderful way, in the most, wow, this is life-changing, I wow. You know, like they, they were dumbfounded, right? Because now what he's going to say, therefore, what he is now going to say is based upon everything he has just said, okay? So what he's saying, um, he's saying, okay, now you've heard all of these sayings of mine, that's what he's called, all his sermon, all these sayings of mine that he just said, I've given you the huge recap of all the sayings. Now he says, this is therefore, if you hear these sayings, and not just hear them, but do them, do them, obey them, that person is a wise person. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to liken that person unto a wise person who has his house, his life, built on solid ground. Mm-hmm. Mic drop. Oh my goodness. Wow. He just told us how to have an unshakable life, how to have a life that will encounter storms. We know that we are human. If you've been alive for like five minutes, you know, bad stuff happens. Terrible things happen. We go through things. We experience things. Our friends go through things and experience things. Um, it's just, just life is so shakable and we can be so shakable. We can worry and we can stress and we can pine away with the terrible things of life. But if you want to remain unshakable, he said, then hear my sayings and do them. And you will be like someone who built their house on the solid ground, okay? And, and I'm going to back this up. Um, James in the Bible, the book of James, chapter 1, verses 22 through 24. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. 
That's what he's saying. He's saying, use this as a mirror. Look at everything he says. Be looking at it intently. When you've looked at it, when you've heard it, do it. Obey it. Do what it says. And you will have an unshakable life. I can't say this enough because the alternative to that is, remember Jesus said there's two kinds of people, right? The ones who hear and obey, do what I say, unshakable life. Ones who hear, don't obey, don't do what I say. And this is what happens to them and we don't want it, okay. But when everyone who hears these saying, sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell. And great was its fall. I mean, those words should reverberate inside of our, our heart. And great was its fall. We all know what it's like to not obey God's word, to not do things the way God asks us to do. And an area of our life, maybe it's our marriage or maybe it's our friendships or our parenting styles or ways or, or pfft, we take on terrible habits and things that ruin our lives and great was the fall. Here's the beautiful thing. There's at any point, God is gracious and God is good. And if there's life in your body, then you know what? Forget that which lies behind. Accept the grace, mercy, and forgiveness of God. Begin to build your house on the rock. It's not too late. Even if, you're, even if the winds and the waves blew it all away, start again with God. He will help you. He is the master builder. He is the one. He is the creator. Okay, so there we go. All right. Um, okay, so we talked about how for those who don't listen, it is shakable and the life will fall. Okay, I also just want to read you this, this last, these last verses from the pa Passion Translation because it just paints the picture of how these people are receiving what Jesus said. said. So in the Passion Ch Translation, chapter 7 of Matthew, verses 28 and 29, by the time Jesus finished speaking, the crowds were dazed and overwhelmed by his teaching because his words carried such great authority, quite unlike the religious scholars. Minds were blown, my friends. This would be the sermon of all sermons. Okay, God comes down in human form, God with us, and gives a sermon. I mean, I've heard some wonderful sermons from godly, amazing people who are filled with the Spirit of God, who speak out of um, the utterance of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit's giving them wisdom and they're speaking. And I have been bl blown away and my life has been changed. I could only imagine what it would have been like on that hillside, on that day, to hear a sermon, the sermon, wow, on the mount, the sermon on the mount, given by Jesus himself. I just thank God that Matthew recorded it because yes, as we meditate upon it, I believe we can be dazed and amazed and overwhelmed in a beautiful way by the teachings of Christ in the same way, like, like the Holy Spirit can do that because the Holy Spirit that was upon or, you know, 
Christ because he was also, remember, he was filled with the Spirit. Remember at his baptism, that is the same Holy Spirit. He's not a different Holy Spirit that comes upon us when we read the Word of God. We can, let us pray and believe that when we read the Scriptures, we read it through the eyes of how these people received that Word on that day, on that mountainside from the mouth of Jesus. Let us just, just say when we approach the Scriptures, as we're going to go into our quiet time to read Scriptures, Holy Spirit, Blow me away with the words of God. Unveil it for me so I can really understand it as it was meant to be read, as it was meant to be understood. Give me your wisdom. Let's pray that prayer when we, when we read the Bible. Okay, so they were dazed and they were amazed. Um, and other places in, in, gospel, in the Gospels, people were also blown away by how Jesus presented himself, how he performed miracles, how he spoke with authority. Let me read you Matthew 13, 54. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. So that was Matthew 13, 54. John 7, 46. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Jesus blew people away with just the authority with which he spoke the words of God. He was God, okay? Wow, I mean... But we can approach the words of, they've been recorded. And we can approach it with the help of the Holy Spirit to be that wowed by the simple, beautiful, life-changing words of God. Okay, I'm going to read a quote by um, Charles Spurgeon, um, a scholar and theologian. And it was this. Two things surprised them, the people on that day. The substance of his teaching, of Jesus' teaching, and the manner of it. They had never heard such doctrine before. The precepts which he had given were quite new to their thoughts. But their main astonishment was at his manner. There was a certainty, a power, a weight about it, such as they had never seen. Okay. So, And also notice that D Jesus didn't just didn't quote other rabbis of his day or very intelligent men of his day or philosophers of his day. He didn't quote anybody. He spoke with um, an inherent um, power. It was in him. He was God. He was God with us. And he also, we know that his baptism was filled, the Holy Spirit filled him up. So we can have that infilling of the Holy Spirit and we are filled with the Spirit of God, you know? Um, so he had this power. He wasn't quoting other good men. He was just speaking from, from, from the power that came, that emanated from him. So when we open the Bible, uh, this is, okay, this is another quote, sorry. This is another quote. And this is from a website, a blog called thingsofthesort.com. And it's from an article called The Authority of Jesus. I just love this. I don't know if this is a famous website or what, but when I read it, I thought, yeah, that's good. So I'm going to read you this quote. So when we open the Bible and hear the teaching of Jesus, we encounter not just another good moral teacher, but the author of life itself. Oh, the author of Jesus. Remember, who was Jesus? Jesus was called the Word of God became flesh. That's what he was called. He was the word of God, expounding on the word of God. Imagine the word of God became flesh, expounding on the words of God that were um, written down. 
Okay, so so we he's not just another good or moral teacher, but the author of life itself. He was the author of life, the creator. As Jesus spoke in the synagogue, he spoke as the author of their very experience. His authority reached far beyond the pulpit. It reached their hearts. He knew what was going on inside each of them. And isn't that the way it is with us? When we read the words of Christ, he knows what's going on inside of us. This is not just some good moral code to live by. This is not just, um, you know, just words of a good philosopher, a good man. These are the words of the author of life itself. He made the heart. He knows how he operates best. And he knows explicitly what's going on in there. And he knows intimately what's going on in your specific heart at that time, at that moment when you read the scripture. And that's why sometimes we read the scripture and we think it's talking to our heart. That scripture speaks to me. That is blowing my mind. That is changing my life. That is making me see everything in a new light. It's because he is the author of life. He's not just a good guy. He's not just a, a great philosopher. He's the author of life. He is God. And, and that's what these people were experiencing. And that is what we experience. That they said, we, we are just blown away by the authority that this man speaks of. He is not like the religious scholars of our day who were, as we know from the Sermon on the Mount, not even um, uh, teaching the scriptures in the way they were meant to be taught. Because remember that whole bit on, this is what you were taught, but this is what I tell you it's meant to mean. And he would then go on to tell us um, how there was a higher thinking about that particular thought. Um, yeah, so he was, he was unlike any of the religious scholars of his day, unlike any of the religious scholars of our day. And uh, the greatest mind ever. That will, his thoughts, it says, are above our thoughts. His ways are not our ways, okay? He's a different thinker on a different level than us. Thank God, okay? Because sometimes we need to see it God's way, our situations. All right, where am I? I think I'm done, guys, because you know what? This is one of my, I love this one about the building, um, the, the, the builders, the wise and foolish builders, because it's so applicable to our lives. Um, what is the, the overall thing that I want to say today about what we talked about is hear the words of Jesus and obey them. And that will lead, according to Jesus, he will liken you, he will liken me to a wise builder, to a wise person. Oh, look at that. That was a surprise, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, a guest speaker here, or a guest face. Well, he's not a guest, he lives in this house too. <laughs> hey, well, I didn't warn Gina at all, but no. I was going to jump on in. No, and, he did uh, not. He did not. Well, I just got back from America. We had a powerful time there yes, and uh, saw yes. many life changes. But I love this teaching. I love it. The wise builder and the choice with us. One of the things that really jumped out for me was when you said but when you hear Jesus don't just hear him like yeah. a man with everyday words like, like here's some good advice for yeah you. like a philosopher but remember I just that really just struck me when you said you know when Jesus spoke on the mountain it was the word of God speaking it was the word of God become flesh speaking I love that hmm. because you've got to take the words of Jesus right and you've got to lift them into their own category and say these are the words of God this isn't like um, uh, Confucius or um, wisdom from this earth. Or Aristotle, yeah. or one of these philosophers, or, you know, any of the philosophers of our time or then. I mean, he yeah. was, 
you know. Word of God's changed us, hasn't it? It has. It's... Situations. You know, when we've had situations where we thought, I don't know what to do. Um, we've just stood on the word. And maybe you're watching today and you've got a situation and you go, I don't know what to do. It feels like the ground is shaking. Something's happened and the ground is shaking. All we can tell you guys is, word of God, build your life upon the word. What is God saying in this situation? Then just with every bit of energy or strength that you've got, just build your life upon the word of God, what God's speaking over this situation, because heaven and earth will pass away. Word of God won't. But, um, well, here we are. Beautiful, sunny day in England. Yes. And you're off to do some stuff. And yes. I've got to dig in for some uh, speaking this weekend. And, um, you yeah, know, just thought I'd drop in. They never get me drop in. And I thought, no. let's drop there in. And I hope you're enjoying these Bible studies. I love these Bible studies. And even when I'm traveling, I always take time on Wednesday to listen in and uh, be encouraged because the word of god and encourage your heart every time yeah, won't it? it does and so yeah we hope you're having an amazing day keep building your life upon the word remember the words of jesus their, their truth and their life the spirit and life of god are in his words so uh be a lover of the word of god yeah. and uh, hey i'm going to jump off screen because um i've got a Shut this thing down. So do you want to say your last goodbyes? Um, well, goodbye. Live an unshakable life. Build on the rock this week. Do what he says. See ya.